Hello there and welcome to the Sandwich Generation. I'm your host, Mitch, and I'm so happy and so proud to be here with you today. Today's episode is going to be called The Rant. (laughs) You're going to get a tour of how this show operates, but I just got some stuff I got to get off my fucking chest. So let's start with that. This is going to be a podcast where I will be undeniably, unapologetically real. There'll be times where you might hear me cursing. I might slip into Ebonics once in a motherfucking while. Who knows? Uh, The subject matter that we're going to be dealing with here today is over the top, through the roof, and just a little too fucking much. So I am your host, and my name is Mitch, and I'm excited to go on this journey with you. So before I get into things, I just want to give you a tour of how this podcast will work. There will be three segments every show, and I just want to give you a tour of what those segments will be. This is called the Sandwich Generation because I am part of the Sandwich Generation. I have a child that... I call that concept being the race to 18, trying to get him to adulthood. I have myself, and within that, I have to think of myself holistically. And then I've been thrust into the situation where I've had to move my mother uh, to be closer to me because of an an event that I'll share with you in a little while. So the first segment is going to be dealing with children, child-rearing, childbirth, Um, having your own family, starting your family. The second segment is about you, about me, body, mind, and soul. We can't raise our kids or deal with our elderly if we are struggling and we're having issues ourselves. And then the third segment will be dealing with uh, caring for the aging, caring for the elderly in our lives, being caregivers. So, There may be some variations here or there, but for the most part, that's the tour of this house that we're building, this home that we're building here at the Sandwich Generation. And you are part of that. You are taking up the materials and the supplies and you're building this here with me. So we are always welcoming your questions, your comments, your concerns, your ideas. What do you want us to talk about? Um, What do you want this to be? How can we support you and how can we benefit you? We always want to know. So make sure that you reach out to us. So I've got a child that is 15 and that's part of the race to 18 that I'm talking about. Um, He's a boy and of course I'm a mom. I'm going through a divorce. So I have him every other week and it can get really challenging sometimes. So that's one side of my life. Um, I also have myself, you know, I had my eye exam not long ago. I'm hoping you guys are doing that. That's actually self-love, not only self-care, making sure that you get things done that need to be done. So there's myself. I got my eyes examined probably about two months ago and I still haven't got my glasses yet. I know y'all is out there. Don't be acting like I'm the only one that don't be getting my shit done. You fucking know what I'm talking about. I need to get some glasses so I can fucking see what's happening. Shit. So there's that. And then the situation with my mother. So I'm going to go into that 
uh, a little bit right now is going to be considered story time. So what has thrust me into this idea of the sandwich generation and building this movement, which is what I hope it's going to become, uh, is an incident uh, regarding my mother that happened in February of this year. So I do, before I say this, I want to make sure that I draw attention to the cat catastrophic situation of aging in America. It is actually the catastrophe of aging in America. Um, we sit and we argue back and forth about make America great again. Others say America never was great. Well, let me tell you, once you find yourself an elderly person who is sharing a room with two other people that don't share your values, you have lost your right to privacy. And then we say that this is America, land of the free, home of the brave. Well, let me tell you something. When I look at some of the elderly that are in certain situations, that is the face of bravery. That is what bravery looks like because I can't understand how they endure that. I mean, there have been times for much less in my life. I've contemplated life itself. Is it worth it to continue? But they trudge forward every day. And do you mean to tell me that we all can come to the end of our lives as American citizens and be reduced to a room that we have to share with two other people, our right to privacy, which is what we fight for every damn motherfucking day. (laughs) I wish somebody would try to interrupt my privacy or take away my right to privacy. How often do we talk about that? On a daily basis, freedom of speech, uh, right to privacy. And you're in a room where you can't even masturbate if you want to. If you want to walk around naked, that's the privilege. That's the fucking graduation of growing up. You done raised your fucking kids. Now you can walk around your house with your titties swinging everywhere. And you ain't got a fucking Ask nobody for permission about a damn thing. And then you roll over into a situation where somebody wakes you up at a certain hour for breakfast. And your things are clumped into a drawer with someone else's. And and you only have three drawers in the first place. The closet that you're sharing is being shared with someone else. We really need to fucking think about this stuff, people. We need to wake the fuck up. You know, I'm just thinking about Childish Gambino's song, This is America. I mean, is this the fucking America that that we have? We're sending our babies to fight their lives for? Give up their lives for a country that's not even going to respect them in their elder years? So I have a whole lot to talk about this. This is something that has been brought to my doorstep, and it is truly invigorating to my soul. So I'm not sure exactly how much time I have left in this segment, but I am going to give a little bit of an indication of what happened uh, to bring me to this point. 
So I'm going to actually start with some of my childhood trauma. Um, and this makes me think also, sometimes I go to these elderly homes or uh, nursing homes and I see these people there that never get any visitors. There's no child that comes to visit. Um, no spouse. Nobody really even comes to check on them. And I've always I've thought about that for years now, actually. And so those of you who are parents really stop and think about the fucking seeds that you're sowing. With your kids, how you're raising them. Are you raising them in trauma? Are they going to want to take care of your ass? It, there comes a time in everybody's life, if you live long enough, well, you need to have somebody to wipe your ass. Are they going to want to wipe your fucking ass? Or are they going to just be like, well, you know what? She made her bed. She can lay in it. So my basic background is I was raised steeped in codependency by a very narcissistic mother. Um, and I was her only child. Um, I am still coming to terms with the fact that I need to, I'm okay to call this abuse. What happened to me, the way I grew up was abusive. It was toxic. And she was a narcissist. These are terminologies and thought processes and things that are just coming to my awareness as acceptable. Because I can hold space for the fact that someone may have been raped, molested repeatedly. And that is an, an intense abuse. And I hold space for that. And I, I definitely give way to the fact that that's extremely difficult to move through life after that. And I champion those heroes. But in the same breath and at the same token, in the same space, I have to realize my abuse, it still occurred. It still happened. So I was in a situation where as a teacher, I've seen some students, you know, they'll have a, you'll have a parent conference and you've got this kid that's trying to translate for their mom or their dad. And, uh, you know, the kid is bilingual, speaks Spanish and English or another language in English. And I just see this look of exasperation on their face sometimes that totally takes me back to my childhood. So for me in my childhood, my mom is what's called late deafened. So her hearing loss progressed over time. And I really don't remember having much of a childhood because she was so manipulative. And I feel like most of the time I was raising her. So uh, some of my days would consist of coming home from school, calling Southern Bell. I don't know if you remember them calling, you know, a utility company or mortgage company and tending to her affairs because she's deaf. So I would listen to what was being said to me and then I would mouth it to her or take notes. And then I would relay back to the, the people what she was saying. And then I got wise to the game and just kind of would put the phone next to her mouth in order for her to say for herself what the fuck she wants. But it was exasperating. It was just a very exasperating childhood. I'm realizing now that she chose a lot of my friendships for me. I'm realizing now that um, I was very isolated. I didn't have a lot of interaction with other people. 
And I was raised by my mother. When I wasn't with my mother, I was with my grandmother or my aunt. My aunt is nine years older than I am. So I had a chance at a childhood with her. And so when I would go to my grandmother's house, I would just totally feel free. I would feel liberated when I was there. And then I'd have to go back home. Um, And there would be times where my mother would give me the silent treatment, which now I'm finding is extremely and incredibly abusive. Just over the past year or so, am I finding that out? Um, There'd be times where she would just close the door, not even talk to me. So there's this term that I came across called parentification, in which literally what I'm saying, the child raises the parent. And that's how my life was. That's what my life consisted of. Um, And so I've had to do a lot of work with codependency. You know, I kind of can notice now when I'm trying to put on my codependency cape, I call it. It's nasty. It's stank. It's got fucking cobwebs on it. And I'm still trying to put the motherfucker on. Shit. Put it down. Let it down. Let it go. But I can see You know, in my mind, I'll say, oh, shit, I'm jumping into codependency. Now, there's no problem with helping people, but I have to stop and think. Is this convenient for me? Am I doing this so I'll be accepted? Am I doing this because I want something in return? Which is usually just to be loved, seen, appreciated. I feel like I grew up my whole life feeling unappreciated, unseen, unheard. And I have to say, I feel like um, religion really, really contributed to that. You know, recently I've uh, I've been going through this thing with myself, kind of like, where did these feelings of feeling undeserving come from? Where did my feelings of unworthiness come from? And I had to notice it came from the moment I would set my foot in the fucking church house every Sunday. Because you know what they would tell me? You're all sinners. None of you are deserving of the love that Jesus has for you, but he has it. You're not worthy of the love that God is bestowing upon you. And I had to stop and realize this is the root of me not feeling deserving and worthy of any good in my life and then wondering why it's not coming to me or why it gets sabotaged when at the same time I'm grabbing for it and reaching for it, I'm also taking my hand away and pulling away from it. So I've had to do a lot of inner work and I'm trying to tell you, if you would just listen to this podcast Learn from me, learn from my mistakes. You might find yourself with a shortcut through life. So this is my introduction for what I'm going to be talking about in the next segment, which is going to be the story time about, you know, what happened to bring me to the point of this. And I just really am hoping that this can be a safe space for all of us. That we can really put our hair down. We can really learn how to pull back. And (laughs) as the show used to say, relax, relate, release. 
and we can find community here. Because the worst thing is thinking that you're by your fucking self. You're not. You're not alone. I'm hoping that you'll find others here that you can find camaraderie with and approach some understanding with. And I'm really hoping that we can just all learn and grow here, that you can find some resources and tools. And then something really magical might happen, which is that you might find that you are the resource. What if you're what somebody's been looking for? Let's go. I need a change in my life because I don't feel alive and there's nothing that makes me happy. Oh. And we all got dreams. We all want things. But what you gonna do for it? How you gonna move for it? What you gonna be? Welcome back. So, as promised, here's story time with Mitch. So, one of the reasons that I decided that the sandwich generation is such an important thing is because of a literally a life altering event that happened in February. I was pretty much minding my own business, doing the best I can. I'm going through a divorce, raising my 15 year old, and I'll mention that in the next segment. Going to work, doing everything. My mother, um, about a decade ago, on a whim, decided to move to Colorado. And I'm here in California, so that was kind of challenging, um, especially with her being deaf. But, you know, she's grown. She gets to do what she wants to do. So we've been managing the relationship. Remember, I'm her only child with me being in California, her being in Colorado. Well, there was a certain time in February where I had been texting her for days on end and she wasn't responding at all. <laughs> and this has happened before because she can be pretty honorary and cantankerous and just decide that she wants to stop talking to people. We call the silent treatment. Um, and yes, she can do that from a whole nother state. Uh, so I just was trying to let it go, but this is especially for women. You need to listen to and honor your intuition. It's, it's incredibly important. There was something, I, I had a sick feeling to my stomach and I just, I could not get over it. I couldn't get with it. I couldn't get it together. So I had been texting and texting and I called her neighbor who she had a falling out with. Uh, you know, she burns bridges with so many people, so many people that she just just decides she doesn't like anymore and will end the relationship with them. So I had had the neighbor do a wellness check, but it seems as if I had the neighbor do a wellness check. Maybe the first day that I started texting with the sickness in my stomach, the intuition. Uh, so the neighbor said, well, she's fine. You know, I saw her go in her wheelchair in her apartment. She's doing fine. So I thought she was fine. But this gnawing feeling of discomfort was just upon me and I could not shake it. I couldn't get over it. Uh, so I wanted to do another wellness check, but she's burned bridges with so many people. I didn't quite know what to do now. 
whether it be an epiphany or synchronicity or all of those things, her housekeeper, because when you're elderly, you can have a person to come help you clean either a couple of hours, once or twice a week, or some have them come every day. My mother's was scheduled to come once a week. And interestingly, she had come on the wrong day. So on the day that the housekeeper came, my mother had actually been on the floor for six days. She had been on the floor so long without food, without water, that her body was actually starting to decompose. It's a situation called rhabdomyolysis, where your body starts eating itself. And she was actually delirious. So on the days flashing forward to currently that I'm like, I can't concentrate. I can't focus. I got to give myself a fucking break. I am the walking traumatized I'm functioning, working, operating in trauma every day. Every one of my motions and actions is steeped in trauma. So she was on the floor for six days. And when I found out, I flew to Colorado. I just couldn't, had to take time off work. I had to make arrangements. What the fuck? She almost died. So um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of warning here because this might be a little bit emotional. And I feel like I'm among friends because of the trauma involved. But when I got to her apartment, it looked like a horror scene. It really did. I could tell where she had urinated in her scooter uh, defecated as well. I could tell where she had slid off of her scooter and onto the floor. And it still hurts me to talk about this part, but there was an imprint of her bottom on the floor that was crusted around it with urine and fecal matter. And to see that and to have the apartment tell the story of what happened, listen here, there's got to be some days where it's like, fuck it, y'all. I'm taking a break. I'm taking a nap. I'm climbing under the covers and I'm going to honor my body processing this trauma. But I don't always do that. Sometimes it's full speed ahead. I got to work. Got to raise this child. But I'm telling you, to see that scene in her apartment, it definitely changed my life because she's a miracle. It's a miracle that she's still alive. So something similar had happened about two years prior. And when she went to the rehabilitation center to learn how to walk again, I told them, I just didn't think it was a good idea for her to live on her own. 
And I really had to uh, deal with a lot of pushback because, yes, she's of sound mind. But this is the thing. So many people want to retain their freedom. And that's understandable. I would want to retain mine, too. Remember, that's the American dream. And the catastrophe of it is when you get to the end of your life, you, you, you're, you start to lose your independence. You lose your mobility. You lose your privacy. Privacy. And sometimes you do lose your right to speak. Depends on the situation. Your freedom of speech, it escapes you. So I'm this situa- in this situation. I'm her only child, which is both benefit and detriment, depending which situation you're thinking about or talking about. But I'm her only child. And praise God, I got power of attorney years back in 2018 because I'm trying to make sure her rent gets paid. In some instances, what you need to know is if some, if your relative or your parent dies, some places you cannot even gain access to their apartment, their house. If you have keys, yes, but their apartment, maybe not. (laughs) It all depends. I'm trying to hack into stuff and get passwords and passcodes And she knows some of the things, but not all of the things. And some people aren't even taking the fucking power of attorney. Especially when I got here to California, word to the wise, I got all that shit redone. And then you got to know what kind of powers of attorney. There's medical durable, medical durable, and then there's full financial. You got to know the terms, which are some of the things that we'll be going into here. So... I'm going between the hospital and her apartment every day. Like I said, two years ago, I knew that she shouldn't be living independently. um, And I had tried to uh, arrange her place so that it could be navigated more easily. But she's a fucking hoarder. Yeah, we used to call those people pack rats. But then after that show, hoarders, everybody's now a fucking Hoarder, but I claim proudly that I'm hoarderish. Not a fucking hoarder. I'm hoarderish. Okay? And I'm gonna say that because I gotta retain some of my pride here. <laughs> so I'm going between the hospital and her densely packed, heavily hoarded apartment. Um And to be honest with you, I was was kind of a juggernaut. Like I felt like a puppet when I think of those times. I was going on autopilot and I literally started talking about the term dissociation. I don't know if it's any therapists or psychologists out there, but you don't want me as a fucking client because I know all the damn terms. And I can tell you if you're not doing your fucking job, okay? Because my last therapist told me I know more than she does. (laughs) But I was glad that I knew the terms because I could indicate what was happening to me. I was dissociating. It's an out-of-body experience. You're on autopilot. So I had rented a car, really cute little Jeep. And these fucking cars nowadays, why they got to have a fucking button? At least give me a place to put my keys 
so I can remember where my damn keys are when I'm in the fucking car. Shit. I'm in the car and I'm on such autopilot that I left that beautiful red Jeep running. And I was at a hospital that had the nice little pullout couch where I could actually sleep there. And I was tired, but I'd had to renew the vehicle and I couldn't get in touch with them by phone. So that's another thing. Sometimes you got to know things happen for a fucking reason. When you run it on autopilot, sometimes they happen for a reason. I was so pissed off. I was really mad because I was like, I got to go all the way over on the, on the side of town, the other side of town to renew this vehicle when I could just call, walk up to the vehicle. And I had left it running. I could have burnt out the engine. I mean, least case scenario, I could have you know, run out of gas, but that could have been a really bad situation. I mean, I don't know if I could burn out the engine. It seems like I could. It seems like there could have been some damage to the car, but fucking smart phones and damn smart cars. These bitches ain't worth shit. This car should have turned it fucking self off. It should have been able to determine by the weight, the passenger vehicle size. Nobody's in this car. So let's power down. So I was on such autopilot. I didn't even realize that, you know, I'd left the car running. And it had been so interesting because when I'd gotten out of the car to go back into the hospital, I was looking around. I was like, somebody left their car running. (laughs) Whose car? Somebody left their car running. I could hear the engine, but that's what dissociation does. You don't connect it as being you because you're not even in your body. You don't know what's happening. So I've had to um, move my mother back here to be with me in California. That's what a lot of our episodes are going to be talking about. It hasn't been easy, um, but I met up with an amazing nurse who told me, why don't you just take your mom back home to be with you? And I was like, hell yeah, I'm trying to manage this from another state. That doesn't even make any sense. So I did. I broke her out of her nursing home, put her on a plane, uh, took her directly to the hospital, which instituted and initiated the whole process from the very beginning here in California. They sent her to a rehab center. And then now she is at what is called a room and board. And so you need to learn the fucking vocabulary, okay? And that's what I'm here to teach you. You need to know these terms. You need to know what is a room and board? What is a nursing home? You know, you need to know about spending down accounts. Um, And you might still need to know about your child's IEP. You know, in my situation, I have an IEP annual meetings with my son every year. And you need to know your rights as a parent. You need to advocate for yourself and a child and your child. And you also need to advocate for yourself. What about your inner child? What about nurturing you and the wholeness and fullness of you? So that's the end of story time. And hopefully that gives you an indication as to why this was so important. And 
why I really feel called to have done this podcast. And I'm just so grateful that this is a place where I can put my hair down, say it how it comes to me and how I feel it, express it the way that it comes to my soul. So next up, we're going to be talking about my son and trying to juggle all these parts. That's another part, part of being a parent. Um, and then you, know, you got to make sure that you take care of yourself as well. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. And remember, if you've got any suggestions, any ideas, we are here for you. What do you want us to talk about? Maybe you want to talk about tying shoes. It's kind of interesting how that comes right back full circle, just like it all does. Here we go. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Everybody in the world. Hey, welcome back. So, as promised, we're going to be talking about my 15-year-old son. So interesting, mothering a son. It's kind of hard for me because out of all my four kids, I've got two stepkids. Two that I had cut out of me. I didn't birth them out. I had cesarean sections for both. But... Out of all my kids, my youngest used to be the most affectionate. And I'm like, dang, what happened? You know, puberty, they changed so much. Um, And it's really been an adjustment for me in many ways. He used to just be all over the place, man, just couldn't sit down. He'd be just, you know, into everything and always so witty just very linguistically advanced at a very young age. And so it's really a process for me understanding this new version of him, which has settled itself down quite a lot. And it's just kind of an observer now, kind of lays back in the cut and tries to see what's happening with everybody and everyone. And, you know, he kind of stores the comments in his mind, but he doesn't he doesn't articulate them. Most of the time, and sometimes if he does, it's quite a while later, which we need to understand. There are certain kids that just, you know, it takes them time to communicate if they communicate, but it doesn't mean they're not processing what's happening and what's being said. So I am going through a divorce. It has been dragging out for probably going on three years now. I'm so ready for it to be over and to be finalized. And in the interim, I've been dealing with my son who's with me every other week. And so narcissism is another big part of the story. I was raised by a narcissist and not taking the time to adequately and properly heal. I rolled over into a 22 year marriage with yet another narcissist because I didn't know the signs. I couldn't read the signs. Um, It felt like love at the time. Because of the mirroring that narcissists are very good at. Uh, but no, it wasn't love, I don't think. I think that it was, uh, you know, one of my family members called it a come up. You know, I was in a better, I was raised in a better financial situation. So I think he just really saw that as part of a package deal. And then if there was love, it kind of dissipated more in favor of materialism. So I am 
working my way through this divorce and trying my best to keep myself stable um, until it grinds to a screeching halt and finally comes to an end. In the meantime, I've had my son every other week. And I must say, I'm just really glad of this decision for me. Divorce is not for everybody. And I would never tell anybody to get divorced or to not get divorced. It's a very personal, very sacred decision. The timing of it even is very sacred, you know, because I did try about a year or two before. I think even probably three years I did, quote unquote, try. But then the particular weapons of choice that were used against me were financial abuse, religious abuse. Um, I was told things like no court on earth is ever going to grant you custody of your kids. Um, and I really took that to heart and I believe that. And God does not approve this decision that you're making. Um, and you are providing the death stroke for this family. Those are the things that I was told throughout the years. And my motherhood was taken hostage by manipulation mind games, mind fuckery. Uh, and I would always say this, the, this circular conversation that narcissists take you through, I would say, damn, even the mulberry bush is fucking tired. We go round and round the mulberry bush in this conversation. The mulberry bush is tired. It needs a fucking break. It's tired. It doesn't even know what you're talking about anymore. It's ready to give up. So I'm coming from all of this um, undermining of my motherhood, uh, all these mind manipulations, and I'm now in a position where I'm in my own place. And I have to admit, if I ask my son to do something, he does it. There, there isn't that same fight anymore. There isn't that st- that same pushback anymore. Um, now, he's a teenager, so they don't always do it the way you fucking want them to. And, you know, sometimes also, it, you know, I have to remind him sometimes. Um, and with his ADHD and some of the other uh, things, which I actually think are labels, I'll just say with the way he operates, I don't necessarily want to give all those labels. But with the way that he operates, um, you know, he doesn't like being told now, do it now. You know, so honestly, I think I've been on my own for probably about two and a half years. And in that time, I think we've only had one really bad argument. And it was because he came in my car smelling like stank toe jam, and butt crack. And I told him he needed to take a bath right now. No, we're not going to wait on this one because my brain cells are hurting right now and you need to get in the bath. Now, I am a particular person who loves some Dr. Teals. Choose your scent. You can take the, 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 rele- the relax and relief, I think it's called, the lavender you can do the pink Himalayan. You can do the lemon balm, which is new. And I love, oh, goodness. I'm really calling out in my spirit to Dr. Teals. Please say that you will, we can partner and sponsor because I got lots to say about Dr. Teals. 
But I told him, you need to take a bath because this is not acceptable. And he really, there was really kickback then. There was really a lot of problems then. Um, And I realized it's because of the now, because I told him he had to do it now. So let's talk a little bit about diagnoses. He's gotten several. He's gotten major depressive disorder. You know, he's gotten uh, ADHD. And there were a few other ones. Oh, oppositional defiance disorder. And I started realizing, and the part that really breaks my heart is, at least with my son, with oppositional defiance disorder, the person, the entity, the being that you are first in opposition to is yourself. People think it's authority. They're not in opposition to authority. They're in opposition to themselves. You know, the tactic that most parents use, which is, oh, good job. Oh, that looks wonderful. You did such a good job. Never worked with him as a child. I would say good job. He'd say, no, it isn't. And all of the positive uh, affirmations that you're told to give your children I was dismayed as a parent because I think he's brilliant and I'm not joking with that. He's very witty, which wit takes a a healthy dose of sarcasm and intelligence. He's very witty, you know, very bold, very brave. At least he was. And I really credit a lot to the credit to the uh, school system for destroying some of that. Um. It just really whittled him down as a person. But when he entered this world, he was always linguistically advanced, always very witty, and would always say things that really made you think. So now there are times where I will show him pictures of himself as a baby, and he doesn't even like to look at himself. And it really, honestly, it breaks my heart. Um, Or I'll tell him about things that he did as a baby, and he doesn't really want to hear about it. He doesn't think he's as cute as we all thought he was. So these are the things that I'm managing as a human being is, you know, there's all of these diagnoses, which are labels. You know, I prefer more to think of it as how he navigates the world as a human being. And knowing some of these things can help me to help him if he allows me. Um. But it doesn't define who he is as a person. And so I have to have I have started having to realize that, first of all, he's at that age, quote unquote. You know, he's a teenage boy. Most teenage boys don't want to talk about anything to their mom. They're not interested in talking to their mom. But I'm having to grow and learn to understand that that doesn't mean that he doesn't love me. It doesn't mean that anything's wrong. There's no problems. This is just the progression of him as a human being. Um, so, yes, I'm managing IEPs. I just switched him to another school. And as a parent, what you need to know is if your child has any IEP, you don't have to wait for the annual meeting. You can ask to have a meeting called at any time that you want. Uh, And for any reasons that you want, and you can suggest to have things amended. Um, But what I am learning is the value of communication, you know, communicating to his teachers 
Um, so I switched to school recently and, you know, I made sure to email his teachers, uh, call his teachers. And I was just pleasantly surprised at, you know, the responses and the response times, how quickly they got back to me. And I did. I praised them for that at the IEP meeting. Everybody was present that was supposed to be present. Everybody contributed. And so it was really a hard decision for me because I decided to uh, switch his school, uh, mostly because of a transportation issue, but also because um, his previous school had not met his IEP as they had in years prior. And he had been in this school district his entire academic career. And I simply decided this is not working. This is not working at all. And so there was such a fear. Oh, my goodness. I can't even tell you how fearful I was because I knew it wasn't what his dad wanted. I knew it wasn't what he wanted. But I wanted what was better for him. Um, And it was also more convenient for me. So, see, when you're dealing with narcissists, you give up your convenience in order to appease them and in order to make them feel better about what they're going through. So it was a, a tower moment for me. It was an opportunity for me to say, this is what I want and this is what I need. And this is how things are going to go. Um, and this is most importantly, what's most what's best for the child. This is what's best for the child. So, as you can see, I am coming to a point where all of these parts of my being are coalescing together in this magical opportunity, which I call the sandwich generation. And I am so excited to build community, to be transparent, to be authentic to be real. Um, Sometimes being able to speak Ebonics, if I feel like flowing into that, or being able to curse, it's like walking around fucking naked, with no fucking clothes on, no hangups, just free. I'm free, totally free. So I hope that you enjoyed your tour of this this opportunity, I'm going to call this an opportunity because this is going to be an opportunity for all of us. I want you to remember this is your space. It's not just mine. It's your platform. You have the floor. What is it that you want to talk about? Maybe you want to be a guest. You might want to come on for one of my segments. Um, but this is a place where we can all learn and grow. We can learn about ourselves as individuals. We can learn about uh, honoring are elderly and are aging in a way that they deserve, whatever that is. That's something that you define. That's something that they define. And that's something that you co-create with your higher power. And then also trying to figure out about these kids. What are we going to do with these kids? Lord, we got to raise the babies. Sometimes just being able to hear somebody say something that you're feeling or hear others or say it yourself. Like I said, maybe you want to come on and do a segment yourself. It's so freeing. 
And it gives us so much opportunity to find another path and another way. So I'm excited. I have had a, a really good time with this. I'm looking forward to talking more about room and board. I'm looking forward to talking more about college, empty nest syndrome. I don't know. There's so many different things. And send me your song requests too. You know, maybe we can can talk about some of these songs that we grew up with or some of the things the kids are listening to now. What are the babies listening to? You know, we could talk about social media platforms and so many different things. And maybe we can turn this into sort of a melting pot opportunity where we're honoring the things of the past and also looking forward to the things of the future. So in that, don't forget, that's yourself. That's your mind, body, soul. That's you physically, you know, that's you spiritually. Maybe we want to talk about some chakras sometimes, you know, and maybe we want to talk about church sometimes. Um, pretty much no holds barred here. But like I said, I'm really interested in seeing what you think. What do you feel? What do you believe? Make sure you reach out to us on social media. Reach out to us uh, by email. And I'm looking forward to learning and growing with you here in this space. I'm looking forward to growing myself. I'm not sure if you've ever heard, but one of the best ways to learn something and learn it really good is to teach it. So how about you teach me? How about we grow together? How about we make this amazing? <laughs>